Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Episode 207, Luke Cage, Season 1, Episodes 4 through 7, Step in the Arena, Just to Get a Rep, Suck as Need Bodyguards, and Manifest. Welcome back to Welcome to Level 7's Luke Cage Exploration Review Discussion. It, we're talking about Luke Cage, Season 1. And when I say we, I mean me, Ben, Ben Avery. But I also mean, not just me, sitting over here to my left in the north is <laughs> Agent. I'm, I'm facing vaguely eastward, so. Okay, okay, this works, this works. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm, I, 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 think, I think it's appropriate to say I'm steward of the north for some reason this time. I don't know. I, I, I don't it, know. It has, a, it has a ring to it. It really does. It has a ring. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so hope, I'm. Hope. <laughs> so I'm not sure so. what direction you're sitting, but I'm sitting <laughs> with you to my left, and that means I am also sitting vaguely. Again, not knowing how she's sitting, I don't know what she's facing, but I'm either looking at the side of her head, the back of her head, or the front of her head. But she's. I'm facing her direction right now, and that is Samantha. Hi, and I am currently facing southwest, so you might be looking at the side of my head at an angle. Yeah, probably. Probably. Yeah. 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 And so through the magic of podcasting, these three podcasters from different parts of the world are all together in one digital room, and we are here to talk about Luke Cage, season one, episodes four through seven that's right we are taking on four episodes episode four step in the arena episode five just to get a rep episode six suckers need bodyguards and episode seven manifest and we're going to talk about these episodes and we are going to talk about how much we enjoyed it or didn't and after the credits you will be able to hear some of us i can't remember samantha i don't think you started leaving uh voicemails until iron fist is that right Correct. Yeah, yeah. So you'll hear some of us uh, give our initial reactions, and that'll that'll happen. But first, we're going to actually just jump right into the conversation. By the way, though, speaking of Iron Fist initial reactions, I was organizing all the voicemails the other day, and Uh I don't think I have heard that much (laughs) sighing in my life. I mean, it was... (laughs) There was more sighing in those voicemails than were in a high school study hall where everyone's being told (laughs) to just keep quiet and do your homework. There was so much. (sighs) It was. Well, that was. Yeah. (laughs) And that's coming from from voicemails where they actually (laughs) talked about liking it, too. So. Yeah. (laughs) It's it'll be interesting when we get there. But first, before we can get there, we have to talk about the other half of Heroes for Hire, the stronger half of Heroes for Hire, because Heroes for Hire is where Luke Cage. um, 
I, I won't say that's where he came from because he actually came from his own book, but his book morphed into Heroes for Hire when he joined up with Danny Rand, the Iron Fist. And together they made a mismatched team and they also got mixed up with uh, Misty and some other people, and including X-Men characters and stuff. But um, here on Netflix, we are going to talk about Luke Cage. And I think we're just going to jump right into it then with episode four, Step in the Arena. You guys ready? Mm-hmm. Yes. Let's do this. Okay. So this is very brief overviews. Um, if I miss something important that you think I should have kept in here, please interrupt. Please let me know. Or you can wait until the end. Um because it won't take long to get there. So, episode four, Step in the Arena. Luke Cage and Connie are unconscious under a building. They were, um, <laughs> the building fell on top of them. And so as you do when you are trapped under a building, whether it's Luke Cage on Netflix or whether it's Arnold on different strokes, you're going to go to a flashback. Now, Arnold will go to a clip show. But Luke Cage is flashing back to someone named Carl Lucas, a cop who made the wrong people unhappy and ended up in jail. And in jail, the guard, a guy named Rackham, sends Shades and another inmate to test his size and his strength. And after he shows that he's strong and, and big, he gets invited to join the basement fight club of the prison. Originally, he says no, but then his only real friend in prison, Squabbles, gets threatened so Carl Lucas agrees. Meanwhile, Carl also falls in love with Dr. Riva. I can't remember her last name. I just wrote her first name. But um, he begins also building evidence to bring down Rackham. But when he finds out, he sends Shades and another guy to beat up Carl. He's almost dead. It's looking bad. And Dr. Riva begs the prison doctor to give him experimental treatment in a resurrection water bath thing. And he does it but then rackham comes decides to interrupt messes with the machine and accidentally gives carl a bunch of powers carl punches his way out of prison and on shore takes on the name luke cage meanwhile in the present day he punches his way out of the rubble and he decides to embrace his id of luke cage as the media comes to find out what happened and if there's anything we can learn here our takeaway is if you have a problem punch your way through it man mm-hmm just punch your way through. Metaphorically. That sounds, metaphorically speaking. Uh, well, you know, you can punch your way through other things, too. Real yeah, life yeah, things. Yeah, I, I guess. But I, I'd be careful about when you choose to do the actual yes. literal punching. The metaphorical punching, you can do anytime you want. Yes. Sort of. That's true. I, I'm not advocating violence or hurting people. Even no, metaphorically. That's not, metaphorical that's violence not. that actually hurts people. I, I'm not advocating that. But Anyway, yeah. So we get our origin story. I mean, we already knew some of the origin from Jessica Jones, but here we get some specific details. Yeah, and I, overall in this in this block of episodes, it really struck me that Luke Cage might be the most connected, and you can't see me do my finger quotes, but I did them, most connected of any of the Marvel television series um, and any of the Marvel properties, really. Uh, because it's talking about Jessica Jones stuff. It's talking about um, incident stuff. Again, you know, they reference Thor again um, and green guys. It, it was really interesting to see how it, how to, to pick up all of those little Easter eggs. We, you know, that we didn't get so much in um, 
Daredevil and Shield and stuff like that. Well, and okay, I didn't look this up ahead of time. I should have, but later on, there's there's a connection to Agents of Shield as well, and and I'm sure we'll talk about it. And by the time we get there, I'll have as quietly as possible use my keyboard <laughs> to Google this information. But what do you think of the okay. origin story we got here? Origin story was fantastic. We got to see uh, Luke Cage in his Power Man outfit. I'm sure there's many a people in the uh, old school fans who were really excited about that. Um, I also loved how he was like, man, you look stupid <laughs> and walked away. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, let's face it, his original costume. I mean, that's my, my big note was all of the uh, references to the old, old school mm-hmm. stuff. Um, let's face it. Uh, it's not a great look. No, no. I don't think it ever was a great look. Did his hair remind you guys of Shepard Book from Firefly? There's one episode where he unbounces his hair and yeah, River thinks he, it's going to make his head cave in. He, he freaks out River with his hair. That's right. Yes. <laughs> that was a good episode. Actually, if you're talking about Firefly and then you mentioned the episode, it's that was a good episode is something you'd say about anything. But yeah. Um, oh, Janestown. Yeah, that's a really great episode. <laughs> yeah so anyway um, <laughs> that's so, an episode about what it is to be a hero so well and that's yes. kind of what we're getting into with with this block of episodes that we're talking about here too is what is it to be a hero um samantha yeah. what do you think of the origin that we've got going on here um uh yeah I, I think it's yeah the costume's a little funny but um i i think other than that i think it's really really interesting uh, um, that you know he and I think it's also very true to life that um, there are a lot of people that end up going to prison and they have to plead guilty or they are they fight um, the charges and they end up being wrongfully sent to prison mm-hmm. um, I, I know a man in my area um, I don't know him directly but I know his relatives and um, he's very famous in North Carolina for being the first man exonerated for being wrongfully convicted of a crime that he did not commit. And, uh, well, he, he became famous because he was the first, um, to, um, use DNA evidence to prove that he did not do it. Yeah. I, I don't know him specifically. Um, but listening to some, different things like this American life and that kind of thing. It's very interesting. Right. These, these stories that you get about, you know, basically the, the people placed in prison for a crime they didn't commit because they were kind of forced to plead guilty. Um, whether it was just, they were worn down or, or what, but um, it's also the setup for so many movies and, Oh yeah. And yes, it's a, it's really dramatic. You know, I mean, there's no way out. I mean, that's like the ultimate power just kind of falling down on you and and just forcing you into the situation. And, um, you know, how many things we I was just thinking about this today, just that feeling you get as you're watching a show or a movie or reading a book where you just have the main characters are forced in these situations that they just have no way out. And it's just hopeless. And you either then embrace 
hope or you don't. And here you get this kind of, I mean, like, like we said, he punches his way out. Um, like if he didn't have a superhero origin story, he would be dead in prison or he would still be doing the, the pit fighting thing. And, but he does, he has, he has a superhero origin story. And what, what I, another thing that I, that I keyed in on, um, again, in these, these blocks of episodes, but specifically this one, nobody else got, you know, dunked into the tank. And it's not like there's another guy who's also, you know, invincible or whatever. As far as I can tell, as of this moment, there's nobody else in this series who has special powers. <laughs> Shades is a is an evil man. <laughs> is an evil, evil man, but he doesn't have special powers. No. Whereas, like, um, you know, Captain America has Red Skull, and and Jessica Jones has um, the Purple Man, and um, Daredevil has you know the the fighting ninja who are sort of magical in their way. Luke Cage is just a a guy who can't be hurt. And that's a really interesting um, setup for a hero. He can't be hurt physically. Uh, Emotionally. That's that's where they have to get him. Yeah. Yeah. um, Because, you know, in an earlier episode, they, because of them, uh, because of Cottonmouth's men, they lost Pops, and he really had a special place in his heart for Pops. Yeah, but you, you make a good point, though, too, Stuart. I mean, the the villains, like you're saying, Samantha, the villains are real people who mm-hmm. are exerting real power over people. Right. And, and it's a realistic power that they're exerting. And so it's 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 this, you know, the corrupt police force. It's organized crime. It's, um, you know, small time thugs. It's, um, it's corrupt politicians, politicians. I mean, I mean, with, with Cottonmouth and Mariah, you have, um, you know, the, the, the organized crime on the one hand, and you have the, um, (laughs) corrupt politician on the other. And both of those then, I mean, we're, we're inserting this super powered individual into the, this realistic situation. And it is, you're, you're right though. We do not have, um, we do not have the, well, the purple man. We, we do not right. have, um, iron monger. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> but what we do have are very real and very personal, um, people doing very bad things. Right. So, yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing for me with this origin story is the MCUing of it. Um, and for those of you who right. are new to the show, MCUing is a verb that we have created out of a set of nouns with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, although I guess, strictly speaking, one of those nouns is actually an adjective describing <laughs> another of the nouns, whereas Marvel is a noun acting as an adjective describing the anyway what's what's the name of this show it is schoolhouse rock with ben (laughs) so i'm about to start singing about how mcu is a noun that we turned to a verb and we're making it interest no um mcuing (laughs) means taking the comic book version 
of a character and turning it into a version of the character that is acceptable on a live action screen. And Marvel, I think, is one of the better ones at doing this. I mean, so many things, um, superhero things that people try and do, and it just looks ridiculous and silly. Um, you know, Christopher Reeve took something that would, could have been ridiculous and silly with the Superman outfit, which it's a bad outfit, you know, and I mean bad and good. But um, he's earnest with it. And so they were able to get away with a lot of stuff, but then they went grim and gritty with Batman and We'll talk. Well, let's not talk about Steel or Catwoman. But anyway, well, okay. the um, the MCUing here is not. They they don't make many changes. Uh, the biggest things with the MCU is it, the comics and the MCU version. They're this. They're pretty much the same. He's in prison. Um, he shouldn't be in prison, and he gets experimented on in prison. Uh, the difference is the motivation for experimenting. Uh, he's going to die. And if they don't do this, he will die. And the other thing that happens is all these nods to his original costume, which, mm-hmm. you know, we've been doing this forever since X-Men, at least when they actually like hung the lampshade on it and said, <laughs> boom, let's talk about how ridiculous our comic book costumes are as we wear our less ridiculous jumpsuits. Would you rather be wearing spandex? Exactly. Yeah. That yeah. is exactly what that, I'm talking about. <laughs> and that's the first X-Men movie, mm-hmm. which was... Yes. What? That was 20 years ago? Something Closer like that? Closer to fi- 15, 20 years ago? It's Something more, like than, oh my more goodness. than 15. I'm not sure if it's 20, but yeah, it's... No, because it wasn't when I graduated high school. So yeah, it's not, it's not 20 years ago. Yeah. Well, it's a little bit more uh, because I was in high school during that time. And one of my friends had his license and he drove us to the theater and it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Marvel makes it easier to do that because they don't have or if they do the the characters they've chosen for the MCU have been more real life characters, true to life characters, not aliens from um Krypton who fly around in capes. It does. I mean, it seems to be more real, the Marvel universe rather than, um, fantastical. Well, that's just the realness of the humans involved in the situations Mm -hmm. tends to allow us to accept more of the fantastic. Right. It, it tends to. I mean, there's still some silly comic book origins that a modern audience is, is not going to accept. But this one's simple. I mean, this is they, – they didn't have to do much for the audience to accept mm-hmm. this. Um, yeah. So that is our origin story. But we need to move on. I mean, Cottonmouth mm-hmm. wasn't even in this episode. Nope. So mm-hmm. episode five, just to get a wrap. Oh, 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 oh. Can yes. I talk about all my special research that I did? Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. Yes. That's why you're on the show. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so my older brother, um, the last episode we talked about um, the restaurant slash apartment where Luke lives being struck by a stinger missile. Just so happens my older brother, when he was in the army, he specialized in being a stinger missile operator. Um, I asked him about it, um, told him the specs that's described in the trivia that I found about the specific one that was shown in the episode. 
Um, he said that the warhead is three kilograms. The whole missile is 15.2 kilograms or 33.5 pounds. And it feels much like it weighs twice as much when you have to carry it over long distances. Um, that's enough to blow a small but respectable hole in a brick building. If you fire two or three at, at the structural elements of a brick of a building like the corners of the foundation, you could bring the building down. There's just one small, that's just one small problem. Um, and then he goes on to describe the um, flight pattern. Um, and then I ask him about, you know, what about uh, the explosion? And he said, maybe if there's a weapon cache in the building. <laughs> so I described to him that there was an explosion uh, and uh, he said, maybe if there's a weapons cache in the building and I said, well, there's a restaurant in there. Maybe there was a gas line that the stinker possibly could have hit. And my brother with his great sense of humor said, or maybe Michael Bay was in the neighborhood. Uh, yeah, that works. <laughs> yeah. I would say, it's a stinger missile, but I mean, this is from Justin Hammer, right? That's true. I mean, mm -hmm. so it's different than the ones that our U.S. military has, perhaps. Right. Right. Um, well, possibly, um, but I do know that um, as of, I think, 2003, the stinger missiles that my brother used was being, um, uh, whatchamacallit, it? it was being replaced with a new, uh, a updated missile a different version uh because a stinger missile is a newer version of a bazooka uh <laughs> i'm not kidding uh um uh, and so that version was being replaced so my brother ended up in iraq in baghdad driving a um a humvee because a stinger is an anti-aircraft uh from ground to air missile and um iraq doesn't have an air force so yeah he ended up driving a humvee instead hmm. yeah well thank you for your brother obviously yeah. i will tell him um yeah. you're very welcome by the way i'm sure that's what he would say yes yeah. that being a that the, the and thank you for the uh, for the technical specs. It sure made a big a big pretty boom, big bada boom. Yeah, but yeah. it uh, realistically it's not there was. To. Yeah, it's not supposed to, but realistically, it does not make that large explosion. Well, no, <laughs> none of the TV stuff does. No, of course yeah. not. That's that's just it. I mean, I I threw out there. It's Justin Hammer. It mm -hmm. it's also. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we're we're in a situation here where electrified resurrection bathtub thing made a guy invincible. I thought just to, to not to dwell on it too much, but I thought that was acid he was being boiled in, and well, I don't know why was. I thought that. But well, there's acid coming up later for sure. But okay, yeah. uh, okay. So episode five, just to get a rep. Cottonmouth sends his men out to Harlem to let everyone know they're being taxed, quote unquote, because of Luke's actions. So Harlem goes to Luke. I mean, like the people of Harlem go to Luke and he's going to take care of things. And when he gets to Cottonmouth, he shows off some of his powers. Shades recognizes him. 
And you get this kind of conversation with Cottonmouth and Shades. Basically, dealing with superpowered do-gooder requires heavy weaponry. And that requires money, which Cottonmouth doesn't have because of what Luke's doing. But Diamondback does have money. But borrowing money from Diamondback would give Diamondback the upper hand and he'd be able to take Harlem, blah, blah, blah. It's all the crime boss uh, conflict. But a better conflict happens. And that is Pops's service, where Cottonmouth and Luke both give eulogies. Cottonmouth uses his to try turning Harlem against Luke. And Luke uses his to get Harlem back on his side. And Luke's is more successful. And at the end, Misty reminds him that he's bulletproof, but Harlem is not. In other news, Night Nurse has returned. Claire has is, is in the episode. Also, Scarf is under investigation, and this is causing some trouble between his instinct to survive and his arrangement with Cottonmouth. Can we talk about Claire for a second? Yeah. I love Claire in these episodes. I think this is where she has is fitting the best. Um, Rosario Dawson is amazing as always, as we said before. Um, I really like her introduction into this, into this series. So if you, if you didn't watch, you know, Daredevil or, or Jessica Jones or anything. And this is the first one you watch. You get the sense that Claire is awesome. Is amazing. Yeah. She, she takes down the, the, she gets her purse stolen. And then the, you know, they turn that trope on its head where she runs after the guy and beats him down. That's awesome. Go Claire. Um, makes me excited to see what she'll do later in the series. And then later on in, in Iron Fist, and then in Defenders. Yeah. What's interesting about Claire, in Jessica Jones, she felt a little shoehorned in. Mm -hmm. In Daredevil Season 2, there was reasons for her to be around, but it almost felt like it's just reasons for her to be around, not reasons bring her around. Um, Mm -hmm. Daredevil Season 1, she's essential. Here, yes, they're definitely making a place for her to have a reason to be there, but it feels the most natural of all of them since Daredevil season one. And even though it's kind of okay, she just happens to leave Hell's Kitchen and just happens to go to the place where Luke Cage is because that's where her mother is. It's a coincidence. It's a gimme. And I've given it. Yes, it is a coincidence, but it works. It works in ways that most coincidences coincidences don't. And, and it does feel natural. It does. She would leave, you know, wherever the geography is of hell's kitchen and go back to mom. She's gotten, she's gotten, you know, fired from the hospital. She's had excommunicated essentially. Where are you going to go? You're going to go see mommy. That's what I would do. Yeah. I mean, no reason not to. I mean, that's the perfect right. time to go and visit mom and dad. Right. And so it makes sense that, you know, Harlem would be a place for her to do that. It's still in the city, you know, New York, but it's st- it, but it's far enough away to where it's, it's practically another world. Or it's a very minimum another TV series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she is a superhero in her own right, because anyone who's been through any sort of medical program... They tend to be extremely strict, extremely tough, because they 
uh, when you're dealing with people's lives, they don't want anybody who's going to wimp out. Yeah. And, 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 you know, she has experience with the superhero thing and we're going to talk a little bit more about that in the next episode we're going to talk about. But here she's in town and it's a, it's, it's nice to see her. She Mm -hmm. is the Coulson of the Netflix series. Mm. Mm. Oh, none of that. None of that. Mm, Like, oh, she's going to die. That's not what I'm saying. (sighs) I'm just saying, hey, she's the one who's around for every episode. I mean, every series, rather. Um, She absolutely is the Coulson of the the Netflix series. Yeah. Absolutely is. So, I mean, the, the cool thing for me with this episode is honestly, the big battle is at the end in the church giving the eulogies and that's the big showdown between Cottonmouth and Luke. Mm-hmm. And you know, you do get the impression from Cottonmouth. I, I think he really does care in his own way about the place, about Harlem. Um, but it's this kind of high level. It's what's good for home. You know, this is where I live. And so this is where I, I want to do my thing and and with Luke, it's the people, you mm-hmm. know, and and that's that's basically the, the the thrust of his 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 own speech is you know pops gave me this example, and Harlem, I love Harlem because of the people here, and the people who make Harlem what it is, and yeah. So my my takeaway with this episode, the the big thing that I came away with it is Luke basically becomes even more heroic, and Cottonmouth becomes. I won't say more villainous because he doesn't become necessarily more of a villain. He's already doing, he's doing more of the same stuff he's already been doing, but he's more desperate. And I think he's, he, he's becoming misguided. Well, it's not so much the, I'm, tr- I'm trying to, I don't know exactly the word I'm looking for here because yeah, he is misguided, but he, things are slipping out of his hands. I mean, it, it's getting out of his control and Luke is the catalyst for causing things to go out of control. And, and so he, as, as Luke is becoming more sure of himself, Cottonmouth is letting, is things are getting unraveled for him and, and he's becoming less sure and, and more, more desperate. Desperate is definitely part of that. I mean, he I don't think he would have spoken at Pop's funeral had he not had an agenda that was to get, you know, to turn people away from Luke Cage. Um, oh, he, it, call, he calls Luke Cage out by, you know, talking about people from other, you know, countries and and then people with arcane powers. You right. Know, I mean, and, and nobody I mean, the people of Harlem, maybe some of them know what's going on with with Cottonmouth, but. But nobody knows that he's the one shaking them all down. Not, not nobody, but some people do. But, um, you know, he's saying someone shot Pops. And I want that person to pay just as much as everyone else. And we have this element coming into our town. And it's this arcane powers guy. Um, which, I mean, he's saying it's someone coming in. We don't understand his powers. We don't understand him. And we can't trust him. You know, and he's trying to turn them against Luke Cage. He's not necessarily turning them against Luke Cage. It's not working, but he's trying. And well, the the it, Luke was also tasked with 
it, so specifically the the girl with the 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 baseball ring from her dad, right? He yeah. she ran up to Luke and said, "You got to fix this. You have to fix this. Not the cops, not somebody else, not a green powered guy just coming down with the hammer, you know, whatever. You Luke Cage has to fix this because they are bringing your name down with this with this." And so he feels a sense of honor probably more so or duty, I guess more so than anything when he walks into, into the places and, and fixes the things mm-hmm. and he even fixes the thing with the girl's dad. Right. He's like, you need to stop drinking and start being, you know, stop moving, fooling around and start being a good dad. So he does have a sense of honor to, or responsibility to the people more so than the geography. But he also fixes things for the girl. Like he sits down next to her. She has a gun in her purse. Right. And I love that scene where he says, I fixed it. Get your hand out of your purse. Right. And then he right. goes up, goes up to give the speech and she reaches in her purse and there's her gun. Like it's a ball. Right. He, he has, I, he's destroyed it, you know, and uh, he's being more heroic. He is taking more responsibility. He's not necessarily becoming, you know, I am Iron Man. Kind of thing, which right. I almost expected when we ended with him saying, "I'm you know, Luke Cage" or whatever. But yeah, it's I, I'm. Well, this is again. We're, we're we had the origin for his powers. Now we're getting the origin for him as a hero. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, very much so. I love that he was walking around Harlem in a nice, nice three piece suit, and just you get the sense that he was just trying to look. I just want to go to the funeral. I just want to relax. Just. Oh, I have to go take care of this problem now. <laughs> and then, like, I love when he walks into the park. And he's like, do, "Do you know me? Have you met me?" Be- oh, okay, this is what we're gonna do now. Okay, fine. Bring the guns. Get the shot. <laughs> yeah, pretty fun. All right. Well, anything else uh, about this episode? That was a really great opening to this episode with the. Uh... Judea, long live oh, the chief. Yeah. Yes. Oh, is is this is this did did we talk about the Judas bullets? Um, or is or that want to talk? I mean, it doesn't get used in this episode, but they're definitely that's what they're talking about here, right? Like, I seem to remember that being in Agents of Shield. It was. It was the interesting thing about Judas bullets is it unites are three separate things because on agents of shield, it is used to attack Jeffrey Mace. Um, and here it's used to attack, uh, Luke cage, but they're, they're created by hammer. Right. From, from, from the Iron incident. Man. Yeah. From stuff from the from- incident. Yeah. And and so it's it's Hammer Industries, which is from the movies. Mm-hmm. And so with, this this one little thing just goes around, and it's all connected. Is it all connected by characters? Well, kinda, because our TV shows reference the movie stuff that happens, and we talk about them. But this is the one thing that all three universes. And not the bullet itself, but Hammer Industries itself. Right. That all three uh, can really, you know, have embraced and and connect with. So, 
and then like i said before that this stuff like that makes this feel like the most connected of the series yeah yep and i would say you are correct all right okay next episode next episode is suckas need bodyguards and this one <laughs> my my synopsis keep getting shorter and shorter but um <laughs> first of all we get trish walker on the radio that was great it's just her voice yes that's nice um luke jogs past mariah's house lets her know he's coming after her after cottonmouth so she goes to cottonmouth who apparently has just shot scarf um so she's rightfully angry that Cottonmouth might be making some poor choices here because he just shot the corrupt cop who actually has evidence against him and the guy's not dead. Luke and Claire meet up and then they also find Scarf in the barbershop. So they need to get Scarf to a non-corrupt police station and as they try to get him safely there, everyone else is looking for him. Misty's looking for him. Cottonmouth's looking for him. But he dies by the time Misty finds them. But before he dies, he gives Luke all the evidence and that lets Cottonmouth get arrested. Yay. Except we all know he's not going to stay in jail. Of course, we <laughs> expect him to get out of jail and stay around a little bit longer than, but that's next episode. So for now, what do you think? I really enjoyed the interaction between Misty and then the, the, the dirty cop. She gets a, she gets yes. attached to um, to sort of help come bring Scarf in. It it goes a long way to show that Misty is a really good cop, but not just she does cop well. She's a good human being and and has that sense of honor and that sense of uh, respect and and all of those things that we look for and we hope cops have. We yes. want cops to be like we want we want more cops to be like Misty and less cops to be like Scarf. Yes. What's interesting in that is she loves Scarf beyond beyond all reasonable doubt. She loves him. She respects him. He's the one who gave her, you know, taught her how to be a, a good cop. So so we sort of get, we're like, but, but that's okay. I, I like scarf too. And then we think about all the bad stuff he's done. So it's yeah. a really interesting dynamic that, that as the viewer, we have to sort of walk that along. Right. Because scarf is a lying liar who lies. He's a thieving thief who thieves. He's a murdering murderer who murders and just, but he rarely smiles. <laughs> I mean, it's tough to feel sympathy for him. I mean, when he he killed that kid in cold blood. I mean, it was just he just did it. And so to find sympathy for him now as he's dying. I don't have a lot of sympathy for him. I, I just don't. But, you know, he's trying to do the right thing. And by do the right thing, I mean, he's trying to not die. And. <laughs> it's like you know is it really doing the right thing if you're doing the right thing after you've been caught because you'll get in worse trouble yeah and that's kind of the feeling I, I get from him is 
he's not doing all this because he feels like it's the right thing to do. Yeah. yeah. I I don't know. I I, uh, I might disagree with you a little bit on that. I think the reason we have Misty be Misty in this is so that she can um, propel our, you know, the, the whole thing about his kid, right? You know, how he um, doesn't, you know, he smiles a whole lot, but doesn't actually smile. You know, th- those sorts of things clue you into the fact that he is more than just a dirty cop. He's a, he's a person now, whether or not you have sympathy for that, I, I, you know, that's, I don't necessarily think I have sympathy for him. I'm just saying that I, it it rounds him out as a character. It makes it harder. and, And it makes what Cottonmouth does even worse. Yeah. I, I'm just saying he, we all have troubles. We all have problems and we all can look at these poor decisions that we see people make and say, you know, that's where my path could have led me. You know, my path uh-huh. could have led me to that where I would have been put in a situation where I would have, would I have chosen to do what that person has chosen to do. Scarf is not a character that I say, oh, yeah, his son. So it's a pass, so, you know, and they're not it's, trying it's to give okay him a pass. To steal. <laughs> yeah, they're not trying to give him a pass necessarily. I, I, I would agree with you that they are rounding him out. And mm-hmm. that I can accept. I can accept the rounding out of the character. So he's not just a, a mustache twirling villain. Um, but he is a, a murdering murderer who murders. And the problem with storytelling is that sometimes we can get caught up in a narrative that's in real life. Where in storytelling, we look at this guy and we're like, ah, oh, this guy's bad news. Bad guy. Does bad things. I don't like him. He, do, he can't be redeemed. Right. We, we, we had the whole conversation with Ward and then you have real life. And I think that we sometimes give people that same narrative of uh, that guy can't be redeemed. That guy doesn't deserve redemption. That guy doesn't deserve to be forgiven. That guy doesn't deserve a second chance. That guy, that guy doesn't deserve grace because he's hurt so many people or he's done this or he's done that or the kinds of hurt that he's put on people. And people aren't just one thing, you know, I mean, people aren't just, I can't remember where I heard this, but you know, people aren't just thieves when they just stealing once doesn't mean they're, they're a thief. I, I just recently, I heard someone talking about this and it was got me thinking. And, you know, here I label people on, on shows lying, liar lies, but. You know. Well, you're, you're stepping into a, a stereotype and the reason stereotypes work is because, they work right and and we can we we can hear when you say a liar liar a lying liar who lies we understand what that person is immediately from those three words right it's just the thing that we need to make sure we don't do and good writing does do for us um, Mm -hmm. is that we don't just say that's the only thing they are Right. Uh, That's the one defining characteristic. And we end up with that. And it's easy to do that. And, you know, I mean, we're we're in a situation right now where I'm not going to get into specifics of the politics, but where someone does something wrong. And that is the one definition of their life Mm -hmm. as far as everyone in the world is concerned. And it is just that's that's their definition. And what I would say is. What if that was you? 
Right. What if someone took the worst thing you did and that was the only way you were defined by the rest of the world around you? And I, I shouldn't even say politically. I mean, that's that's social media right now. Mm -hmm. And what I think is interesting about this episode and this interaction specifically with Misty and her faux partner and then Scarf was that she was sort of leading that charge with Scarf and saying, look, yes, he's a dirty cop, but at the same time, he's also a human being and we probably deserves a little bit more respect than let's just go uh, arrest him now, you know? And then she catches on that the, the guy's a dirty cop and it's amazing. And it's a great she's scene. Awesome. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Another fun scene was Cottonmouth and Mariah and you know how to kill Luke. <laughs> you don't have to shoot the guy. Just can, can, can he swim? Can he, you know, what about poison? I mean, this <laughs> is, she's the thinker and she, she is, is the thinker unhappy with him because he ain't thinking. No. He's reactionary. He is definitely reactive, not proactive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anything else with this episode, Samantha? Um, we were, uh, I just, I was looking at something. It reminded me, uh, earlier we were talking about, uh, connections with, uh, other elements of the MCU. Uh, I think there is a scene in here where Misty is talking to her boss and her boss references Fisk mm -hmm. from Daredevil. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this is a very connective episode. But can I also say that other than Turk, okay, Turk aside, Turk's last line aside, I think this series is one of the most natural Again, with Claire, mm -hmm. even with Claire, the mo one of those natural um, connections to the broader MCU. Right. Uh, Turk aside, Turk doesn't belong yeah. here. Turk should have never been in this series. Turk should just have. Yeah. Well, and it was definitely shoehorned in. The only reason he was there from the time you saw him playing chess with fish to the time he leaves to say, oh, I'm going back to Hell's Kitchen where it's safe. <laughs> uh, the only reason he is there is to turn on, um, you know, to, to, to get tone and everybody there to shoot up pops, pops place. Well, he, it, he doesn't serve a purpose. And because that could have been anybody and would have been more natural to be anybody from that area to be someone. Honestly, if they should have been someone from the neighborhood who was, Coming in and saying, "Hey, uh, Cottonmouth, dude, this this is where it's at." And I think I know what you're going to say. It should have been so, so. Say it, and then I will I will agree with you. It should have been some drug addict. Oh. It should have been somebody who's looking for a score. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't know what. That's you... not what you were going to say. <laughs> you were going to say oh. that Turk should have been a weapons dealer. That's what you were going to say. Yes. Because that's what he was doing in Daredevil. Turk should have been a weapons dealer. Yeah, see, right. You, Turk should have been right. a weapons dealer. You're right. And, and coming to Hell's <laughs> Kitchen, he's, he's doing it in Hell's Kitchen because things did get crazy. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's coming to Har Harlem, rather, because things did get crazy. I mean, he 
look, there is Punisher in Hell's Kitchen. He, he may not be there now, but if I was a criminal in Hell's Kitchen, I would be scared out of my mind that I would be next. Even if the Punisher right. never showed up, I would, I wouldn't be, I'd be scared oh. of the devil, oh. but scared out of my mind of Punisher. Cause well, and to be fair, Turk has been through a, a, a fair bit too. He almost had his leg chopped off right, to get the, right. to, to get the thing off his, of his leg. Uh-huh. I mean, I would leave Hell's Kitchen too, because wasn't there a big green guy in Harlem that destroyed it? Oh, wait, we're not going to talk about that. We aren't. <laughs> anyway, if I were Turk, hmm. I'd go to the West Coast. Yeah, go to San Francisco. I'd find East L.A. to be much more comfortable, you know? <laughs> well, right. Okay, so one more episode to go for this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Episode seven is called Manifest. We find out the charges were dropped against Cottonmouth, but some damage has been done. Actually, lots of damage has been done. And Mariah's position is in jeopardy. And she's not happy about it. So we flashback. We find out Cottonmouth, he didn't want to be a crime lord. He just wanted to play the piano. But Mama Mabel wanted him to get into crime. And she was sending Mariah off to do schooling off away from home. And um, Uncle Pete then betrays the family business. And Uncle Pete's the guy who's like pushing Cottonmouth to play the piano, but she pushes Cottonmouth to shoot Uncle Pete because he betrayed the family business. And Uncle Pete is dead now. Cottonmouth did the deed. We also find out that Uncle Pete was abusing Mariah, uh, which is why she was sent off to school. Here's where things get... They, they take a turn that I'm not sure anyone expected. And that is that as they are arguing, Cottonmouth says that she wanted it. She wanted the sexual abuse. And Mariah then goes full kingpin on Cottonmouth. She pushes him over the balcony and then goes down into the music floor and beats up this criminal who wanted to be a musician, beats him to death with a microphone stand. Mariah's hands are no longer able to be kept clean. She and Shades are now going to partner up. Meanwhile, Luke Cage gets shot with a Judas bullet. And while he's with Claire, and that's probably the one thing that saves him because this bullet enters his body and starts exploding after it has gotten inside his body. And so he lies on the ground, rolling around in pain, looking like and sounding like both in his voice and in the churning that is happening in his stomach the way that I do when I have Taco Bell. <laughs> but I still go back. That's our episode, well, Manifest. Uh, yeah, I was not expecting... I was expecting Cottonmouth to be around a little bit longer. Just saying. Me too. Hashtag. Especially in this episode when they give him such a rich... again rounding out making him more than just a villainy villain who villains um it, giving him some some backstory some 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 heart and then with mariah there's she needs to go see a counselor she needs to do that like right now She's got some. She's got some deep-seated problems. No, there are that she needs to that I she mean, needs to we, talk to people about. We talked about this with Jessica Jones. I mean, I'm surprised they went there here with um, mm-hmm. with Mariah. 
she does. I mean, this is the kind of thing you you don't bounce back on your own. You know, you, you, this is the things she has been through. She needs help for it and help to. Yeah. But she's instead becoming the villain. I shouldn't say becoming the villain. She is the villain. She has always been a villain. It's just we thought there was misdirect. We thought Cottonmouth was the guy we were going to be following as the primary villain throughout this whole thing. And here we see, nope, nope. If he was the primary, she has now taken on the primary, but she was before. She was trying to do all her villainy respectably and keeping her hands clean, but knowing where things were coming from and what they were and using that to her advantage. And now she's just going to be a lot more honest about it, I think. Mm -hmm. I've noticed there's a pattern here. And just in Luke Cage, if your backstory is shown, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're going to either die or you're going to have some sort of big change in your life. Um, actually, it made me think of, okay, I don't deal with tarot cards, but someone explained to me the death card when you're dealing out someone's fortune. It does not necessarily mean that someone's going to die. It means that you're going to have a very huge life changing moment. Um, and yeah, that, that seems like when you're in this series that when your backstory shows up, you're dealt that death card and either, you know, you get one or the other. Your trajectory is totally changed. I don't remember. And so I might be, I just don't remember if we are going to hit some storytelling issues, storytelling problems in the next few episodes. I, I remember really liking the entire series for Luke Cage, but this is a storytelling no-no to me. You don't wait until just before a character dies to try and get sympathy for the character. It just doesn't seem like the right thing to do. Now, when do you, when yeah. are you going to show the backstory for Cottonmouth? There, there is no better time, I don't think, than this episode. But if you really want us to care and to think, oh, it's actually a shame the Cottonmouth had to die this way. It's I, I don't emotionally. It didn't resonate with me. Ironically, it did. The fact that she's beating him with a microphone stand and she's beating him in the middle of his his club where all the music mm -hmm. acts are. And music is such an important and vital part of just the style of the show. But it's a part of the actual world of the show because of this place and then we find out you know since he was a boy music has been an important part of his life and not just important he wanted to be a musician you know what i what the thing that the in this whole interaction yes it was between mariah and cottonmouth and that was tragic and and horrible and and all of that stuff but then at the end Shades brings it back around and says, look what Luke Cage did. Because at the end of the day, it's his series. It's, he's got his name on the series. It's not, a, it's not the Mariah Cottonmouth show. It's the Luke Cage show. And so, as I don't know if we needed Luke, uh, Cottonmouth's backstory to help us you know, get more involved in Cottonmouth or whatever. I definitely think having it pulled back into Luke Cage brings us to the fact that, you know, uh, shades is going to get 
is after Luke Cage, whether he's just a pit bull or, 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 you know, he's got his own motives or whatever, but he's there. He's going to get Luke Cage at whatever cost. Um, and that's a good thing. Whether or not killing him right after his backstory is a no, no. Yeah. Well, the thing with shades is he, you've already said he doesn't have powers, right? He doesn't, right. he doesn't have powers except for the real world powers of organized crime and that kind of thing. Um, or the, the Batman power of I'm rich, you know, but, <laughs> but he has the shades. I mean, he has the identifying characteristic. I mean, he has a thing that makes him more than just random criminal. Number one, you know, he, mm-hmm. he has these, this identifying factor and, he he's a I think a worthy adversary, uh, but he is, you know, using Star Wars, he's Darth Vader, mm-hmm. and Mariah is now the Emperor, you know, mm-hmm. or or the King. If you're going to take Cottonmouth's own imagery, um, yeah. Now you say it's not the the Mariah and Cottonmouth uh, series. It's it's not, but you know, you bring those two actors in and. <laughs> They're, you gotta, they're taking it, you know, like they're making it their series. Yes, very much so. But it's good that Cottonmouth dies off so that we can then focus on Luke Cage and having him propel his story. Yeah. Not somebody yeah. else propel his story. Yeah. And I remember the first time I watched this, watching this scene where she beats him. I don't remember being this shocked since. American oh, since- History X. No, no, no. Probably since Fisk beat up that guy in Daredevil season one, beat that guy to death. It's a brutal scene. It's an angry yeah. scene. It's an emotional scene. I mean, it hits all the right notes. It's not ultra violence for the sake of mm-hmm. the old ultra violence. You know, it is ultra violent, but it comes from an emotional, true place. Emotionally oh, yes. true place. Yeah, I mean, you get the sense that she just absolutely loses her mind. You know, this is a battle that she has been dealing with her entire life. And it just, all it took was him saying those three things, those three little words. You wanted it. And she just, it just let loose. Yeah, well, but you know what? Here's the thing. I think someone else could have said it and she would have let loose. But the anger wouldn't have been wouldn't have burned quite as hot. The problem here mm-hmm. is when someone in, in this case, this is a betrayal. Him saying that is an the worst kind of betrayal to her. And it hurts more when it's someone mm-hmm. you care about. You're when you when someone you care about betrays you, your sadness is deeper and your madness burns brighter and hotter. Well, and- and also, he was the guy. I mean, Cottonmouth was the guy who took out Uncle Pete. Yeah. I mean, he was the guy who killed Uncle Pete. And so there's a little bit of, you know, your knight in shining armor actually is less shining armorly. I mean, he's, he's, he's tarnished, he's tainted. And when he says that, he absolutely betrays her. Absolutely. Well, in, in some ways, when he says that, I mean, he's becoming the he's becoming the face of uncle Pete. Mm, he's becoming, that, yeah, he's becoming the thing. I mean, I think in some ways the lashing out is not just a lashing out against Cottonmouth for his betrayal, but lashing out against uncle Pete and his betrayal. And it's, 
I'm surprised that they're going here after Jessica Jones. You know, we had a lot, a lot of this stuff. I mean, it was every episode of Jessica Jones. It was dealt right. with in every episode. It was difficult. It was hard. Um, here, it does feel more melodramatic, where Jessica Jones, it feels more realistic and and tempered. Um, but here it, it here it feels like a storytelling device in some ways and right mm-hmm. you know more mm-hmm. more i'm gonna we're gonna use this to make her have this tragic backstory instead of with jessica jones where it was we are using this to tell a story about this thing and i don't remember after this episode where they go with it that's the other thing i, I don't remember where mm-hmm. where the whole subplot with uncle pete if it's just dropped i mean it's used here for to get her to kill Cottonmouth, mm-hmm. which and then gets Luke blamed for it. That's that's the end of that's the that's the end of it. It's yeah. a, it's there. I don't I don't remember there being more to it than that. Um, well, Could be wrong. We'll see. Well, I mean, we've got the the next episode of of the podcast is going to have the next three episodes in in a pod. Um. But any other things? I, I've got one more thing about this episode, but I want to throw this out to you guys. I feel like I've uh, talked a lot about my problems with this stuff, but <laughs> uh, I don't have anything else on this episode that I can think of right now. My notes are blank. Well, I was going to go on a feminist rant about how Cottonmouth saying that she wanted it was a betrayal, but you. You got to me before I could get there. So <laughs> sorry, Samantha. <laughs> no, it's okay. I don't. I it's don't not always fe- have to be the one to. Yeah, it's yeah, not a I feminist to- rant. That's a human rant. You know, I mean, that's, yeah. yeah. It, it's it, it it becomes a feminist rant because it's used by so many men to justify um, the horrible thing that they've done. But it's not just. Yeah. It's not just that. I mean, it's it's a human thing, and that's honestly. I mean, there's 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 feminism as a descriptor, but then honest feminism is, is really it's humanism. I mean, it's yeah, it, it is. It's caring about everyone and wanting to understand everyone, and and that's why you need to look at okay, these different sides of these different things, and yeah. So that's that's my take on things, and I'm just gonna. Move so on what to was superhero the la- stuff? So, <laughs> what was the last thing you wanted to you wanted to bring up, Ben? Two things. One, I have a lawyer friend. Uh, uh, uh. Do you? Uh, well, you didn't okay. have to say it like that because you say it like that. I have a lawyer friend, and suddenly you're saying the big green guy too. I mean, that's there. Uh, yeah, but but then but then here's the, here's why that works to me. You have a kid on the street corner. Who is literally selling? Uh, uh, he's literally selling bootleg copies of the Avengers first movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's, he's he's got the best. He's he's got 4K, yo. I mean, he's he's literally selling that stuff. So, <clears throat> would you rather have her say, "I can call Matt Murdock"? Who? I mean, they don't know each other. No, no. I, I'd rather it be. I've got this friend. He's a lawyer. His name's Matt. He can help you. That that kind of thing. But that doesn't matter because you know what that does? It ties into something she said right before that. 
It's very, very interesting to me. And that's this. She says, people fear what they can't see and they can see you. Mm-hmm. And that is what makes Luke Cage different than Daredevil, even. Daredevil wears a mask. He uses the mystery of the devil of Hell's Kitchen. And that's the whole, it's the Superman Batman thing, too. You know, Batman wants to strike fear because criminals are a cowardly and superstitious lot. Superman doesn't wear a mask because that's who he is. He wears a mask in his secret identity. Right. Uh, the mask is <laughs> two circles that cover parts I'm wearing a mask of the, right now. Yeah, parts of the thing around his eyes. But anyway, it's that idea of people fear what they can't see. They can see you. They need you. They need someone like you. And then she mentions the lawyer friend. And, and then to me, it's like, ah, oh, you know what? It's not just about him and Cottonmouth or him and the, the people, this, uh, you know, the, the criminals of Harlem or whatever. It's, it's, there's this dichotomy too between him and someone like Daredevil. And so it's, yeah, go ahead. So I don't remember where he landed in the Civil War, uh, comic series. I feel like I could guess pretty well, but I don't remember for he sure. Was, he was on Cap's side. I thought I thought I'm that. I'm pretty sure I remember reading scenes of him like sitting in a diner with Captain America and, and some other people. I might be right. wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I remember that. And and the, the basis for that was he just wanted to let people be people, I think. Where do you think he would land in the MCU Civil War? Or to put it a different way. Would he would he, would he have sign? signed the accord signed the accords? I don't know. I don't know. I I think he'd be the kind of guy. Hmm. I don't know because he might be the kind of guy who would sign it just so he can do what he what he wants to do. You know, right. Because I'm gonna he, sign, he'll call Misty. Yeah. He'll call Misty to be like, I need I need your help or. I'm going to go take care of this. You know, do what you got to do. But he, cause here's the thing, you know, Captain America doesn't trust necessarily what the people who are in charge would make them do. And I don't think Luke Cage would either, except that he has someone on the inside. He has Misty. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point he has Misty and he can go to her and say, look, I found this or look, I found that. Um, he doesn't, he wants to do things. I mean, he, he said this in one of the earlier episodes. He wants to do stuff and take care of this stuff because he doesn't want what happened to happen. He doesn't want Cottonmouth getting off on a technicality. Right. And and the, and when he does, it totally messes Luke up again. He gets really upset about that. Yeah. I mean, the, the system is not working. The system is broken. Mm-hmm. And so he is going to be able to work with Misty to try and find the least broken places in the system. Um, but clearly, clearly he's going to have to punch his way through some things though, too. Oh, of course. So through some red tape, I don't think Punisher would sign uh, Matt. <laughs> no, he would not. <laughs> Can you see that? Can you see that happening? No, no, I don't no think way. honestly, I don't think any of the defenders would sign. I don't think Matt would sign. Although he'd be the closest one, maybe. I think Luke would be closer than Matt. I think Luke would be more likely to sign 
just so that he can be left alone to do his thing. And he may not follow what they're going to make him do, but he signed it in the first place so that he can continue doing what he already does. That's, mm. that's my take on it. But again, I might be wrong because I'm not right. Luke Cage and right. I don't no. have superpowers. Neither do so. I. I do wear a mask. My two little circles around my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Final words on these episodes. I really like Luke Cage. I think this is one of the better, um, if not the best Netflix series. I cannot wait to see where it goes. On as of this point, I am with you because I and I will go further. This is one of the best as of this point. If we stopped right here, uh, I'd be less satisfied because obviously there's no ending. But um, if we stopped right here and there was an ending. Um, I think this would be one of the best superhero TV shows of all time. I honestly, if you stop right when Cottonmouth's going to jail and yeah, then he yeah. doesn't actually get out, that's a good like seven or six episode six, chunk. Yeah. That's a yeah. good miniseries right there. Yep. You take down the bad guy, he goes to jail, everybody walks off into the sunset. But we have six more episodes. So yeah. for now, <laughs> uh, do we want to rate these? We we did that last time, right? Yeah, yeah. One by one, rated them. Sure. Hard. It's hard to do that. Um. Yeah. Okay. How many punches through a wall <laughs> out of five? And just just quickly, we'll go through episode uh, four, five, and six and seven. Uh, who wants to go first, or do I, you want me to go first? Oh, I'm gonna do a conglomerate because i don't think i could break them individually go for it um i'm gonna say these are for this group of episodes averages about 4.75 most of them are gonna be higher the i i'm not kidding this is my this is one of my favorite mcu things 4.75 average that means you probably gave one of these a five probably one of them a five you need to think about this for a minute Tell us no, no. What you need to think about? Tell us which one gets the five. Tell us which one gets the five, mm. if you can. I am going to go, uh, Samantha. Unless you want to go, Samantha, or do you want some more time? Uh, I think I'm just going to. It's late. Had a long day. <laughs> okay. I think I'm just going to go ahead and give all four of these episodes a four point five. Wow. Okay. I'm going to give episode four, which is the flashback origin story episode. I'm going to give that a 4.5 for sure. Um, Just to get a rep, I'm going to give that one a 4.5 because it's, um, it's the eulogies. Really, Mm -hmm. really that does it for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Episode. Okay. That was episode five. Episode six. uh, Suckers need bodyguards. Solid four. Like it's a solid four, lots of story going on, but it doesn't doesn't have the same kind of haunting moments as as uh, four and five had. And episode seven manifest, um, I think I'm also just going to give that a, a solid four. So my average gets to four point two five. Okay, so so here's my five. Here's I'm surprised. I, this means I gave it a lower score than both of you, which mm. surprises mm. me a little bit. But yeah, okay. Which one gets the five from you, Stuart? 
just to get a rep with Claire's entrance into it, uh-huh. into the series and the eulogy scene at the end and him walking around. Basically, I, when I give an episode of five, I try to think about everything I want the character to be and everything I want the show to be. And if those two things can sort of come together in a really well done story, that's a five episode to me. And I love the fact that Luke Cage is walking around fixing all these people's problems. It kind of like Mr. Incredible, right? I just fixed this. Why can't you stay fixed? (laughs) Um, And he's walking around in a three piece suit. He's dapper Dan to the T. Um, He is, he looks good. He's doing good. And it's, and then it ends on a very high note with with him doing a battle of wits or battle of words yeah. um, with Cottonmouth. Uh, and then you throw in the top, you throw in Claire beating down the, the robber guy. Oh, man. Oh, you just I don't think it could get better. OK, fair enough. I mean, I'm not going to argue against your ratings. I'm just surprised how high they were. That's all. And I wasn't expecting low ratings. I just. Yeah. All right. Well, that said time for your final words if you want to say something as we part ways with our listeners until next we are popped into their ear holes yeah uh, say goodbye <laughs> goodbye Ben <laughs> and I mean this in a non-political because Jadana is a really good songwriter long live the chief and I just want to say thank you for listening. And always remember, you can't control what people say. Just be the best man that you can be and always make sure they spell your name right. Thanks once more for listening. You've heard us. Now we'd love to hear from you. Just go to welcome to level seven.com slash feedback to contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level seven. You can also join the conversation by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash welcome to level seven, or by following us on Twitter where we are level seven pod. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh at our clean comedy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, Godspeed. Episode four, initial reaction. Luke Gage, season one, episode four. Step in the arena. Agent Daniel here. I got some things that I liked. Things that I liked. Yellow shirts and tears. Fantastic. Fantastic MCUing, I say. Made me so happy. And for, is this, could it be our first superhero episode of the show? Felt a little less crime and a lot more superhero here. What was Reva before, you know, she was a psychologist?
things to think about. All right. Well, I'm going to go back to Sweet Christmas. Luke Cage. Peace out later. Bye. So, episode four, Step in the Arena. This episode of Orange is the New Black was one of the best... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Nope, nope, nope. Wrong Netflix series. Sorry. This episode of The Get Down was... Oh, again. Wrong, wrong Netflix series. This episode had everything... <laughs> like, take all the Netflix originals, Bloodlines, House of Cards, all the political maneuvers... All that stuff. It's just missing Bojack Horseman and Fuller House, man. And and this episode of Luke Cage would be all the Netflix originals. But listen, is that bad? No way. Not at all. I mean, I'm teasing. Yeah. But no, this was a great episode. This is the origin story. This was the origin story. We've been waiting for this. We want to see this. We've got the crown. We've got the armbands. We've got the yellow shirt that looks ridiculous. We get to hear Sweet Christmas. I mean, this is the one with all the callbacks. This is the one with all the stuff that we've been waiting for. This is the one with all the stuff from the comics that has been in like every origin telling that I've read of Luke Cage. And this is the one that gives us the superhero. This is, it's there. It's all there. And, uh, it's, it was a fun episode. It was a lot of fun. And, the thing is, you know, I, I just, I feel like taking my time with this. As much as this series has been good, I don't feel the pressure to like watch, watch, watch. And that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing at all. It gives me time to watch Longmire, honestly. Uh, anyway, uh, with all of the, all those things, you throw them all together, you got that origin story and, and then what you got, MCU written all over this too. I mean, this is referencing Captain America. This is referencing, uh, yeah, this references Iron Man. That last shot, there is no way they weren't thinking Iron Man. They were thinking Iron Man when they did that last shot. Cause that last shot on Luke Cage, I mean, he's, he's giving his identity just like that last shot in the first Iron Man movie. Uh, this is a good superhero. TV show. Now, Daredevil first season, when we watched that, we said, this is the best superhero TV show ever, or whatever. I don't say that about this, but you know what? That's because there's so much now, and I'm so glad. Now, some people are talking about how it's boring, and some people are talking about how it's slow, and the truth is, maybe it is a little slow. I wouldn't call it boring. Uh, it's a character's thing. And so here we are. We're watching this show. We've got this show. This is what they do. I mean... They're giving us all these different styles and everything, and you know, you get the Jessica Jones, you get the Daredevil, you're gonna get the Iron Fist. My name is Agent Stu. That was a fantastic episode. This is episode four of Luke Cage, the one where we, you know, get some backstory into Mr. Cage, um, and we get it connected. And Feige, it's all connected, and it is. Reva has a little flash drive. Oh, I've seen that flash drive before. This is what I was hoping for. This is what I've been wanting. Um, and, you know, crazy craziness with the psychology and the the stuff. I have a feeling we're going to see some of that in The Defenders. And maybe Sigourney Weaver plays a crazy mad scientist. 
wouldn't be the first time, although I can't think of the last time. Um, yes, great episode. Can't wait to see what happens next. Uh, on to episode five. Bye. Episode five, initial reaction. Luke Cage, episode five. Just to get a rep. Hmm, Agent Daniel here. You know what this feels like? Heroes for hire. Without, well, half the heroes were the hire. Because Luke is definitely making the rounds. And it does, it feels like that's what he's doing. He's doing that job that we expect to see in the future. Man, I do want to see Heroes for Hire. Um, you know what I really love? I do love these speeches here at the end, the uh, eulogies at the funeral for Pop. And you know what? Luke Cage, I'm with you. I believe in people. Not, not communities, but the people behind them, just like you do. And uh, it makes me feel good. Good about where we're at. So, you know what? I think we, we just need to trust people and believe in people and take care of people. So, wow. Well, stuff got weird. Peace out later. Bye. Episode 5, Just to Get a Rep. Rosario Dawson back again. Awesome. This It's just good to see her. And I, I hope we see other people from other Netflix series. But who knows? Who cares? We got a good thing going here. And this episode had a good thing going. It's all about the name. It's all about the reputation. Um, you know, Cottonmouth, this place is my reputation. Luke Cage, though, you know, he, you can't control what people say. Just be the best man you can be. Um, it just, there's lots of great quotes in this episode. It costs to be a savior. Just ask Jesus. Um, don't you need a gun? I am the gun. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, but here's what it comes down. I mean, it brings up, you know, being a savior kind of thing within the text of the story, but the subtext of the story, man, this is Superman. This is street level Superman. This is early Superman. If he had crash landed in Harlem and had brown skin instead of white, I mean, this is a, a man standing up for the people, you know, in the same way that that early Superman was, you know, him taking out the racketeers, him taking out the um, people who were cheating the, the, the regular people, you know, and this is him standing up for his people in the the neighborhood, you know, all these people who are victims of all the stuff that's going on around them, primarily uh, the, the organized crime and the corrupt politics. And yeah, yeah, this, and, and I mean, Luke Cage here, he, he's Superman. He is Superman and he is, uh, you know, these people who talk about it being slow and boring and all that stuff. No, 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 it's not. It's not, it's a slow burn. So that's different than being slow and boring, right? Slow burn, slow boring. No, big difference. Not just, in the, the the words that are using letters that are different to make them different words and give them therefore def- different definitions. Anyway, I'm enjoying it, and I think we're gonna watch some Walking Dead or Longmire now um, because you know what? That's the way I can roll. Uh, Luke Cage, he's taking his time. So am I. So, but it's not because it's slow and boring. It's not. Luke Cage, episode five, 
wow, this age is two again. Um, it's, it's, I, I don't want to say it's slowing down, but it's certainly developing a pace. Um, and it's developing a pace in which, uh, you know, things might be a little, um, slower than, than, than they could be. Um, what I will say is I love, love the message in it. I love the fact that Luke gets up in front of everybody and talks about how hard work actually means something and how people who put in the time and put in the work will benefit and will prosper. Um, and to me, that's, that's awesome. You know, it, to have media, something in media, something in popular television, um, say that, uh, I really, I really do appreciate that. So, um, I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm, I'm happy to, uh, keep watching although not tonight tonight i'm going to bed so we'll catch you uh later bye episode six initial reaction suckers need bodyguards agent daniel here oh yeah now now scarf dies yeah why story reasons (sighs) man now scarf dies We'll say this though, I do think it took a little bit longer to get Wilson Fisk into jail, didn't it? Didn't it take a little bit just a smidgen, just a smidgen longer to get Wilson into uh into arrest. So Cottonmouth, you know, you gotta live up to the big boys here. So so what we got here? We got some straight out action. Oh, Claire, Claire, who's been around for two episodes now. You know, I'm starting to wonder if Claire is gonna be the connective tissue. You know, the one whose destiny is to bring the defenders together. She doesn't know who all these folks are, or will soon, I believe. So again, could Claire be the one? Could Claire be the one to unite the defenders? That's really one of my big observations here is, you know, I think she could be that glue. All right, well, I'm off to defend the city. Peace out later, bye. So, season, no, episode six, Suckas Need Bodyguards. This could have been the end of season cliffhanger, man. Cottonmouth goes to jail, but we're not done yet, you know, all that kind of thing. This could have been the episode that ended the season. And they said, hmm, we want to give it a good ending. We want to keep people coming back. But what if we don't get renewed? I mean, this is the first half of, I mean, yeah, there's 13 episodes here. So, is it good? Yeah, it's still good. It's still good. Still, you know, doing what it does. Luke Cage, doing what he does. Night Nurse, doing what she does. Uh, we got some dead people now, though. Scarf, sad to see him go. Um, didn't even really get to talk about him. I mean, he was in uh, Career Opportunities. Classic movie from when I was in high school. Classic loosely defined. Uh, he's Pulp Fiction. You know, one of the guys who is eating the big kahuna burger with Samuel L. Jackson coming and quoting scripture and stuff. And at least I think that's who he was. Anyway, dead now. I don't know what to think about that. Misty Knight. He's rethinking everything. And there's just, this is a good character drama. With action beats in it, and and it's it's a good 
you know, you could condense all this into one movie, probably. And it's just about, you know, Luke Cage finding out his powers and helping the neighborhood and all that kind of thing. I mean, this is classic 70s exploitation type stuff from black exploitation to um, the Kung Fu style soundtrack in some places are reminded of, of just different 70s movies. But then also throwing in there, you know, the thing. So I'm hitting a lot of interesting uh, style beats. But yeah, from here, I don't know. We got seven more episodes to go. Um, but I think I'm going to watch it in Portlandia right now. Because I can. I don't feel like I have to, to binge this all super that, you know, that quickly. So, that's me from the past. Calling you in the future. I'm glad we get along better now. Future Ben. Thanks. Bye. Initial reaction of episode seven. Um, Agent Daniel just got done watching Luke Cage manifest, and I'm kind of a hot mess. Seriously? Cottonmouth is dead? Are you kidding me? Mariah's the big bad? Okay, I knew she was at least a harmful bad, but the big bad? Okay, she may not be the big bad. Whoever's working with Shades, he he might be the big bad. But, wow, Shades, I think Shades has got himself a crush. I think he liked that a little, just a smidgen too much, watching Cottonmouth get beat down. And the ending... We finally see the Judas, and it was a Judas. Wow. I understand that there's something not from this earth on that bullet, but I was really surprised it actually penetrated the skin. Super, super surprised. But seriously, Cottonmouth. No, he's supposed to make it to season two. Him and Fisk are supposed to be in prison. Now, I understand we spent this whole episode finding out that there was a lot of nurture that messed up Cottonmouth. I get it. I get it. I get it. But seriously, Cottonmouth down. Cottonmouth down. Wow. Okay. Wow. What's next? An inhuman TV show? I don't know what's going on in this world. All right. Peace out later. Bye. Ew, that was gross. Yeah, that was yucky, but it was kind of cool. Uh, yeah, so just saw the last episode, season one, episode seven of Luke Cage and enjoyed it. Um, it was kind of yucky noises when he got shot in the tummy and just the fact that the bullet went in his tummy. Was, and then the gurgling from what explosions and stuff going on inside of him. It was yucky. It was gross and, um, really, really made me uncomfortable. But beyond that, um, more of the same. And I did this with Daredevil. I think I did this with Jessica Jones, but it's the same thing here. More of the same. More of the same goodness. And if you like what came before, you probably like this episode. And if you don't, then why are you still watching it? I don't know. So, yeah, this is going to be a shorter message, I guess. I really should be making more fun of you, future Ben, but I think you've been getting along. Um, you've been exercising more. I've been exercising more, so you're welcome. Um, eating healthier, you're welcome. Um, hope you're keeping it up. And uh, beyond that, I think it's 
think it's time to watch some uh, not Longmire. That wasn't exciting. That wasn't really. That was kind of losing me. But um, yeah, maybe I'll Walking Dead. That's kind of losing me too. Maybe I'll do another episode of Luke Cage. I don't know. I don't know. You will know. You know what I did, but I don't. I'm still deciding. All right. Talk to you later. Bye.